Welcome to the Complex Problems, Simple Solutions, Discussions on Homelessness podcast. We explore resources, experiences, and the goals of advocates and outreach volunteers who offer services and support to our unhoused neighbors throughout Washington State. Our hope is to provide a more compassionate understanding of their experiences and the obstacles they face as they pursue their goals. Hello, I am the host of Complex Problems, Simple Solutions, Anton Preisinger. I formed the nonprofit organization Northwest Hospitality in 2016 to pursue my outreach goals and better support vulnerable neighbors where I lived and worked. When communities are encouraged, complex problems can be conquered by simple solutions. We look forward to having you participate in our discussions, and thank you for listening. Northwest Hospitality's annual benefit is coming up on March 9th, 2024. Come looking forward to live music, fun games, great auction items, including our very first live auction, and dinner catered by Ripe Catering based in Seattle. The benefit is going to be held at Leaf Erickson Hall in Ballard. Tickets are currently available on our website for $125 each, or you can get a table for eight for $800. This year's benefit is very generously being sponsored by Amp Studio LLC and by Express Employment Professionals in Bremerton. You can find all this information and more, including a link to buy tickets at bit.ly slash NWH Spring Benefit. And we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for listening to Complex Problems, Simple Solutions today. Today we want to discuss why people refuse to accept help. This is becoming more and more important of a topic because a lot of the legislation that's being passed hinges on whether or not shelter is being offered to people before they are arrested or they are swept. And there is no definition in most of this legislation about what types of shelter need to be provided or offered in order for that to be a valid alternative for people coming from the street. So this is not intended to be a comprehensive list of all the reasons that people feel they don't fit into whatever shelter solution is being provided. This is some of the things that I have personally heard people discuss with me about why the solutions they have been offered have been refused in some circumstances, and why I feel that it's important to understand where people are coming from so that we can provide the resources that will meet their needs. Even though that's the harder way to go, it's the way that will actually serve people that have serious challenges to getting back into housing and finding stability in their lives. This week, I'm participating in a point-in-time count, and uh, we've, we've either done or will do another episode on that as well. But one of the things I heard today while surveying one of my neighbors is that they don't feel deserving. They hadn't actually, they've been living unhoused for about a year in my community, and they don't feel deserving of housing, so they have not made that request. So that was a a big topic. I did not try to delve deeper into the reasons why they don't feel deserving. I told them that I think they are deserving of housing, and wish that they would ask for help, and I would be happy to see them receive that help, and that's where I left it. 
So some people out there don't feel like they deserve help. I, maybe that's because they've they've done something they feel ashamed of. I don't I don't want to speculate too much, but part of it is because of the way that we, as their community, the the housed community around them, the way that we treat them, and the, the way that we see them, makes them feel like they don't deserve to be in a place where they are not living in a tent. One of the very common things that I hear from other people is that they feel threatened by the options that are provided. So this often comes into play when we're discussing a congregate shelter, for example, where many people are are given beds and checked in and have a set line of rules to follow. So some of the reasons people can feel threatened by the shelters in their area include vermin. So there might be lice or, you know, other things, um, scabies or other illnesses like the COVID pandemic or the flu. When you're in that situation, you are more vulnerable to that being passed around in a group. So to me, that seems logical that I would want to avoid that. But some people have even more reason to avoid those situations where they might be put into a situation where they're more likely to catch some communicable disease. Um, because a lot of the people that I work with have immune disorders and would be more at risk of serious complications if they came across, if they, if they caught something from, from one of their neighbors they were sharing a, a sleeping space with. So this, this worry is uh, completely legitimate and even more legitimate for some. Shelters can also be high drama places. Not always, but they can be which can be triggering to traumatized people. One of the top priority goals of any shelter system, of any support structure, should be to not re-traumatize people who've been through a traumatic history. And shelters are a focal point of traumatized people, and that can be a situation that a lot of people want to avoid, not go to in search of services. Many people may have been in and out of particular shelters or other services countless times by the time we go out and meet them. Oh yeah, I've been to that place eight times and I've never gotten any any long-term resources or services out of it, that kind of thing. So they don't see those shelters as a solution to any problem they have. We may be asking them to step into a shelter so that we can sweep them or do whatever else that they've already been to while at the same time they're being traumatized or being put at higher risk of of catching a, a illness that's going to cause them serious problems. So a lot of people feel threatened by these congregate shelters or the other options that are being provided by municipalities. I hear this constantly in my outreach around Kitsap County in Washington State and elsewhere in that general region. And I know it's true because I've seen the way people react when when they're told, why don't you go to the shelter? You know, I, I don't ask that question that way anymore. But I've, I'm frequently seeing people respond to that question from others. And it, it's a it's a trauma response, and it should be recognized and respected. Many people don't want to sacrifice the freedom of living the way they want to, where they want to, how they want to. 
However, I'll caveat this one and put my own little interpretation on this particular issue that people have with services that might be being provided. I feel like a lot of people who state that they don't want to give up their freedom when they're asked to go to a particular resource or shelter in their area, there's usually underlying reasons behind that feeling. And if the shelters were different, if the shelter was operated differently or was a different type of shelter, accepted pets or some other thing there, they would be more open to accepting that help and utilizing those resources. So people not wanting to sacrifice their freedom, maybe the response you get when you ask them why they don't want to use a resource, but it may not be the underlying reason why they don't want to use a resource, if that makes any sense. Several people I've spoken to are avoiding housing resources because they have other legal issues. Like one common one I hear is child support payments. Now, they are a parent and they should be responsible for their child, but how can we expect people living in a tent to be responsible for a child? We need to change our systems to grant people the time to become stable so that they can do their duties as parents and community members and get into a position where they can actually fulfill what the law is telling them they need to do. So we have people avoiding resources, people putting themselves into situations where their life is threatened because they don't see a way to get into housing and be, be stable while also supporting the family that they have. So there's a lot of issues there. It's complicated. But if you boil it down, it does not make sense to design resources that cannot be accessed by people who have child support responsibilities because they will never get to the point again where they can start contributing to those responsibilities. Similar to child support, many people have a criminal history or may have active warrants out. If we had fewer people living outside in our community, it would be easier for us to find people in the community who are hiding from active warrants and get them through the proper legal system. But we also have people who just have a criminal history that essentially prevents them from accessing the types of housing options that are available. Arson is a good example of one that if you have an arson on your record, it pretty much invalidates you from any type of housing that even the professionals can connect you with. If you have that in your criminal history, a lot of people write off their future and do the best they can to get comfortable living unhoused in the community wherever they find themselves because they see no hope of finding them their way back into housing because of the way our systems are set up. There is no support structure to work with somebody who has that history and get them back into a facility or a housing situation that works with their needs. Even people who don't have that inclination anymore, as soon as you have that on your history, it's all over. More common than that, people with pets. It's incredibly challenging to find shelters that provide space and the welcome for people with pets. 
you know, dogs, cats, those of us who have animals at home know that these are family members. And I've never seen anybody discard their animal so that they can access a housing opportunity. More shelters need to be set up so that we can encourage people who have their pets to engage with resources for a month or a few months until they can find permanent housing or transitional housing that allows a pet. Right now, too many resources do not allow pets and cannot be flexible enough with the types of animals that people have in their family. And so that shuts down that whole opportunity for people. And they, again, find themselves in a position where they see no hope of working through the system. And so they just accept and make the best of their situation as it is. It's still a problem in many areas where religion and evangelization get in the way of serving people. This boggles my mind because I'm a person of faith, but I never let that interfere. I live my faith by example, and having it create a barrier between me and another person seems to be very much in conflict with what my faith tells me I should be doing. So many people avoid shelters because of the religious undertones or the demands that uh, are placed on them to pray or to participate in some religious activity. So this is still a huge barrier that's that's seen in many, many places. Uh, and I won't say that religious shelters shouldn't be a place because there are people who find great benefit there, but it definitely needs to be recognized that it can be a barrier for many and it can prevent many from accessing resources. Of course, there is uh, active addiction and people who aren't ready to enter treatment. So when some offers of help are extended, that that is not an uncommon reason why they're refused, why they are refused. The part that gets missed here by law enforcement and by the people making passing our legislation is the recognition that addiction, it is an illness. So using the fact that someone is in active addiction to say that they refused services at a place that demands that they go through treatment first, or at a place that does not accept people who are using substances, is contradictory. If somebody is sick and you offer them a resource that they cannot access because of their illness, you are not offering them a resource. And that is what's happening across the country in all of these areas. So people like to use addiction as a reason to write people off because it's hard to recognize the truth of the matter and give people that grace to to see that they need more help, not less, in that situation. And active addiction is a barrier for so many people to accessing the housing and other resources wherever they're living, and our systems need to adjust to recognize the medical implications of active addiction, recognize that people need to be ready to go into treatment, and recognize that we need resources that can still treat people who are experiencing active addiction, or we are not doing our job to help them out of the situation appropriately. Again, this list was not comprehensive. 
These are all reasons why leadership, why our government, our cities, our mayors need to provide several types of shelter and housing resources in all of our areas, and we need to support that work. We need to go to our city council meetings and tell them what we need in our city to provide appropriate resources for our neighbors. People who are not interested in one type of service or shelter may well be served by another, but any one shelter solution will always fail its community because no one shelter solution can serve all of the people who need to access services. So please go out, be active, encourage your your city, your county to create more resources, to be more flexible, to be more understanding. This is not a weakness. This is recognizing an overwhelming challenge. And the people who try to simplify it and make it into this one solution problem are scared of the truth. They're being cowards and not looking at the actual facts. They're not they're too scared to look at their neighbors and recognize what they are going through. They're too scared to take the steps that it takes quite often to take the to make the sacrifices that it takes to actually create a healthy community that's the ironic part when we don't see the truth of these matters and when we try to protect ourselves by keeping people away we're actually making ourselves less safe less of a community that takes care of itself and in the long run things get worse in that situation not better So go out and be active, share with your community, and let them know that we should be looking after our neighbors, not vilifying them. That's it for this episode of Complex Problems, Simple Solutions. Please subscribe and follow us. Find us on our website at www.nwhospitality.org. Sign up for our newsletter to get all the updates. We'd love to stay in touch. You can shoot us an email at info at nwhospitality.org. Thank you for listening and see you next time.